0: The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers, and welcome to issue 4252 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for an unremittingly visual world. The one remaining pipe organ of truth in the derelict church of humanity. Uh, Not my words. Uh, I mean, I put those words in that order, but I did not invent the words. Uh, Capitoplasmic, that is my word. Uh, Splatteratronicism, also my word, and (laughs) bloogeraclastic. Who knows? Uh, I am Andy Zaltzman, lord of all I survey, and all I survey is me. And when I survey myself, I generally find that 100% of myself would like a change of leadership. Uh, Joining me today from not one, but two sides of the Atlantic, this one and that one to be precise, are firstly from a couple of miles north of the shed, where I currently am sitting, it's Nish Kumar. Uh, Hello, uh, Nish. How are you?
1: Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Uh, I am, uh, as we discussed just before we got on air, uh, recovering from a lurgy. Uh, Andy but novelty value it was not COVID-19 oh right oh that's exciting isn't it it feels old really school. old school just to be coughing up <laughs> lungfuls of phlegm with no uh, inference that a bat from China is to blame <laughs> it's it, it, it's a re- it's a great feeling it's a right. really great feeling so old who are you school. who are you blaming instead uh f- I don't know, I'm going to say... I guess just it's another classic random uh, animal-slash-country combination. I'm going to say a Venezuelan monkfish. Right. (laughs) 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 Okay.
0: Fair enough. It's about time someone took those fuckers down a peg or two. Um, Also joining us from considerably further west, his words carried to us on the winds of the Gulf Stream, from New York City, (laughs) it's Hari Kondabolu.
2: Oh, it's very nice to to see you all. Andy, again, I, I... I appreciate the the respect you have shown me by sticking to my two Indians rule on your podcast. <laughs> I don't like being outnumbered, and this is exactly you know it's it's a, it's also a pleasure to be on with Nish, but I would have taken Anuvab as well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I, th- I think you know it's you know to to a broad extent
0: it's you know demographically representative. Of um of the 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 uh, the human race as far as we can get with three people, um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I do
1: feel like and without wishing to tip too much of the content of today's show, I do feel like China would have something to say about <laughs> <laughs> and women. And, uh, <laughs> women and numerous... Uh, I mean,
0: we could go on. We could, I mean, it's starting to look bad on so many levels, that comment. Oh, God. <laughs> this Indian-Jewish sausage fest.
1: <laughs>
0: we are recording on the 6th of February, 2023. Yes, it's February, the work Skyver of a month, clocking in short once again this year. According to Wikipedia, nothing happened on the 6th of February until the year 1579 which tells you everything you need to know about February. It's shorter than all the other months, but still contrived to completely waste one of its days for the first 13 trillion-odd years of history. In 1918, on the 6th of February, British women over the age of 30 uh, got the right to vote, provided that they met minimum property qualifications (laughs) um, in the uh, Representation of the People Act, a huge step forward um, uh, in uh, British uh, democracy. Followed by uh, further steps forward when they realised that the first step forward hadn't been quite, quite huge enough. Um, so, I mean, how do you think that's going, Nish? We're, we're 105 years on now. Do you, I mean, do you, do you think, uh, I know you've, you many times expressed your opinion that it was the greatest mistake in British, <laughs> uh, British democratic <laughs> history
1: that, I am you going to stand by that now. <laughs> Listen, uh we should get back to property ownership being a, <laughs> being a contingent right on voting. I do believe I do believe that was in the Tory party manifesto in 2019. <laughs> I ha- I haven't I haven't fully gone through it in a while, but I do believe there was something in there about reintroducing uh property constraints. Um unfortunately, most of the property in England is owned by Currently sanctioned Russian oligarchs. <laughs> so, if that legislation is brought in, it is going to make the 2024 election a very, very controversial <laughs> one. Uh, also, I was reading that in that same act, um, first
0: past the post edged out proportional representation very <laughs> narrowly uh, in in the Commons. This is back in uh, 1918, and uh, unleashed. So far, 105 years of increasingly infantile oppositional politics. So, (laughs) thank you very much to everyone who was in Parliament 105 years ago.
1: Well, it's absolutely fitting, Adi, that first-past-the-post should win a victory that technically means most of the people didn't want it to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
0: As I've said before, first-past-the-post is very good for some things. For example, judging who's won a horse race. Not so good for parliamentary democracy. (laughs) As always, uh, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, Billionaire Luxuries, um, a special pull-out supplement this week in association with our proud commercial partners, Extravagans, the world leaders in exorbitantials and opulentologicals. Uh, we bring you the must-be-seen-to-have products for the billionaires that we know our listeners all dream of being, including the uh, Bertrand LaDucelle Riandu 2 range unopenable handbag uh, do you enjoy looking minted, but are you tired of carrying stuff? The latest accessory uh, from Bertrand LaDucelle offers none of the benefits of a bag, but all of the visible expense. <laughs> Modelled on a normal handbag, but with no openings, the Riandu 2 bag is made of pure, fake anaconda skin and vegan-friendly faux dolphin gills. Uh, is there anything actually inside? Who gives a f-? It's obviously so expensive that the only people who would own it can afford to hire someone to carry their bits and bobs for them anyway. Also, we look at the Affleau-Away Wrist Coupe. Uh, gold-plated, fully-functioning coupe for small pet birds to be worn in place of a watch, ideal for hummingbirds, budgerigars, parrots, and the very fashionable new self-trimming bonsai condor. Uh, <laughs> and we review the Viticult Micro Vineyard 3.0R. That's the red wine version. The personal vineyard which is the size of just four upright fridge freezers can fit into most decently sized yachts with minimal structural adjustments the uh, MV3R can produce a vintage quality wine in just 24 hours speed growing the grapes from aggressively modified seeds using the mechanical auto-squidger to trample the grapes ready for whining, then hyper-fermenting the liquid in anything from 90 minutes for a nouveau wine to four hours for a mellower tipple. Priced at just £299,000, the MV3R starts paying for itself quickly enough as each bottle produced costs just an estimated... £800 pounds in grapes, electricity, and running costs, so it really is accessible uh, to even the uh, lowest grade of billionaire. And, of course, the phone, a musical bubble pool that translates your bodily aura into relaxing, smooth jazz. <laughs> All those must-have billionaire accessories are in our section in the bin.
2: You are a fascinating man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I stayed quiet. I listened to every single word, and I kept thinking, "Wow, where does he find the time <laughs> to write things like this? Or he does has, it not take long at all? He has no, two way. children. Yes, I'm, and you they write most. That? They
1: write most of it for me. How oh, right. you know? about <laughs> your children, Andy. They're far too sensible to write any of this sort of stuff.
0: <laughs> but my elder child did say to me. When they were, I think, about eight years old,
1: Daddy, I'm getting too old for your jokes. <laughs> I think it's good that the Bugle, like the hit HBO uh, comedy drama series Succession, has now employed a wealth consultant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think that's all the money flooding in from our uh, special offer on uh, on merchandise. Uh, Chris, is that is that still on, or is that finished now?
1: Hang on a second. Let me go on the Bugle <laughs> podcast. Jesus Christ! I've got no idea. This <laughs> is. Guys, this is bad even for us. <laughs> uh hey, yeah, still on.
2: There you go. Bugle merch on sale. Jesus Christ. My my bugle socks have holes in them. Oh. Are there right. more bugle socks? I would like more bugle socks. Okay. Right.
0: Well, go to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> Top story this week, America and China are on the brink of war. All of this due to, uh, and uh, I choose these words carefully, a (laughs) balloon. Um, I think everyone who has kept even a quarter of an eye on the world this millennium so far, and another quarter on the entirety of human history before that, will have known that it could only ever have been a matter of time before things came to a potentially nuclear war-packed head between the USA and China. But I don't think most of us would have expected the beginning of the inevitable species-annihilating conflagration to have come in the form of a balloon floating over Montana. That is not how Armageddon was supposed to happen. Nish, Hari, this is... I mean, it's a truly extraordinary story, <laughs> this, this this spy balloon floating over Montana causing a major diplomatic incident and uh, a, a challenge for, for Joe...
2: One of the biggest kind of challenges for Joe Biden of his... Pre- a... a- balloon. I mean, this has happened before. This is basically what happened with Sputnik and and Russia back in, what, like, the 50s? Like, that's why I refer to this to the weather balloon as uh, Sputzy Dong. (laughs) (laughs) That seemed better than General So Sputnik. Um, But, you know, I mean, first of all, it was obvious it was a spy balloon because it was wearing sunglasses and a mustache. Um, (laughs) But Though I was questioning if it was a spy balloon because it was hovering over Montana. So, like, what kind of intelligence are you looking for? Are are you looking for the newest horse gossip? Like, what is it? I mean, uh, by the way, the people in Montana in reaction said it was the most exciting thing that ever happened.
0: (laughs) Nish, I know know that you you gather intelligence on your... uh, Audience members by f- floating a, a balloon over the auditorium at all of your gigs. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to float very
0: far. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's,
0: it's quite extraordinary. It, and, and the Pentagon, as described, and the Pentagon is famously vocal as a building, um, the headquarters of the US Department of Defense, one of the most loquacious buildings in the world. The Pentagon yeah. described it as an intelligence gathering balloon. What does this say about humanity in 2023? That that this device, which is essentially a device from the late 18th century, yeah. is being used now.
1: It suggests to me that the Chinese Secret Services employed Phileas Fogg <laughs> to take over <laughs> its surveillance operation. The f- are you using a balloon to spy for? Balloons <laughs> are used for two things: children's birthday parties and settling wages between Victorian English men. <laughs> <laughs> But it has caused uh, absolute chaos. Uh, US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken called off a visit to Beijing in light of uh, what I am referring to as Balloon Gate. Um, <laughs> the US Secretary of State claimed that it was a surveillance balloon's presence that caused him to cause, cancel the thing. And he said that the uh, it was an irresponsible act Uh, The Chinese Communist Party is uh, saying that it was not a surveillance balloon and was, in fact, uh, just designed to monitor weather. Unfortunately, the Chinese Communist Party is not exactly the boy who cried wolf, but it's the boy who was found to be repeatedly spying on the wolf (laughs) and filing details about the wolf over a number of years. It is a very very deeply strange story the global times uh, which is a chinese state backed uh, tabloid newspaper uh, wrote uh, in english on twitter a website that's actually banned in china so this very much was not was aimed specifically at the western audience uh, wrote the balloon itself is a big target if balloons from other countries could really enter continental us smoothly or even enter the sky over certain states It only proves that the US's air defence system is completely a decoration and cannot be trusted. Congratulations, (laughs) the Global Times. You win the award for making things even (laughs) worse. (laughs) The last thing this powder keg already needed was a tabloid sprinkling more gunpowder all over it.
2: The US government released a very troubling statement that I was very upset by reading. It, It seemed very... It seemed like it was foreshadowing. It said, um, call the troops out in a hurry. This is what we've waited for. This is it, boys. This is war. (laughs) The president is on the line as 99 red balloons go by. (laughs) As 99 red balloons go by. Um,
0: Well, since you you bring up uh, one of the the great achievements of the 1980s, uh, Harry, I remember as a child going to the Farnborough Air Show uh, in in the late 1980s and seeing the stealth bomber when it was new. Uh, uh, and so this was, I can't remember, 86, 87, round about then. This sort of undetectable, hyper-futuristic piece of unfathomable destructo tech plucked from the outer reaches of the sci-fi imaginative realm. It could evade enemy detection and deliver payloads that could wipe out millions of years of evolution, but in a really cool manner. And 35 years on, we've got a... F- balloon with a gopro strapped to it what has happened to our species I, I mean it's just the start of us just the inevitable
2: return to just living in caves and sticking up hinges when we get a bit scared of <laughs> stuff i mean it, it, they could have china could easily have made this work if they had just put like something on the balloon like an advertisement saying Eat at Arby's. We have the meats. Like that would have thrown us all off for some period of time. Oh yes, one of those uh, Arby weather balloons.
1: They could have just floated it in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh,
2: that would have been a lot easier.
1: (laughs) Just you know, in between Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, just a Chinese (laughs) surveillance balloon hiding in plain sight. Uh, Yeah, Um, absolutely would have been. Also, can I just? I mean, I know this is going to make me sound naive, and I'm not, and I've never claimed to be a military tactician. Can't you just shoot the <laughs> out of the sky? I, I, as, as far as I understand, there is no one in the balloon, and it's just yep. floating around uh, with uh, solar panels that provide it with the energy it needs to keep moving, and then various receptors that are sending signals to wherever it's come from. I don't think you need to be top gun to take this thing out.
0: <laughs> well, the balloon was eventually shot down by an air-to-air missile. The remnants were taken in for questioning. And then. <laughs> In an eerie eerie echo from history, there were reports of balloon modelers from around the USA being rounded up and held in internment camps. Those those reports were just made up by me. But but it does... does, Clearly, relations with China are set to be a key squabble ground in American politics over coming years. Republicans and Democrats competing to appear hawkish against the looming balloon threats, which, if left unchecked, could see children as young as naught able to see unlicensed balloons floating above their neighbourhoods sending crucial data back to Beijing on matters ranging from the stocks of timber available at Mike's Timber Yard to the traffic situation outside Snutterbridge Elementary School at pick-up time on a Wednesday (laughs) afternoon. No one in America is safe from this airborne snoopery. So, will Joe Biden be goaded into launching an American (laughs) counter balloon that could float across the Pacific into Chinese airspace in as little as, I don't know, six to eight months if the winds work out? I mean, is that what we're looking at now?
2: I mean, Biden probably is calling for two to three balloons. Right. And his advisors are probably going to have to talk him down. Uh, <laughs> and then after nap time, he would have completely forgotten about it. So luckily, <laughs> we're not overly concerned about what might Biden might do. I don't know why the U.S. is angry. To be perfectly honest, like, you, are you angry that China didn't have the decency to not be caught? <laughs> like, like what is it like you don't see our spies pulling this type of high profile shit China like <laughs> we all know this is happening balloon b- a balloon was a weird way to do it but yes like we're all, we're all pulling all sorts of stuff if we're gonna send a balloon to spy on China here's my pitch
1: Mr. Bean shape it like Mr. Bean Mr. Bean is massive in China yeah. they'll be excited to see him floating over us and then the next thing we know bam He's fed back all sorts of key information. I'm available, the Pentagon. If you're listening, and we know, and we, and we know you are. It's just you know we do
0: risk escalation here, um, though. And you know, I mean, there are concerns that China could soon have the capability to launch an aerial whoopee cushion. <laughs> could float across America, making disrespectful flatulence noises <laughs> during military parades <laughs> and high school proms. And I mean this i it, it is, it is, it is that serious. China did insist the balloon was just a misunderstood weather balloon that had floated astray in search of some really awesome weather to impress its friends with. Republicans accused Biden of a dereliction of duty in allowing the balloon to roam free across the USA, cavorting brazenly with American clouds and humiliating <laughs> the world's leading superpower. And I guess it is true that Biden is the first president not to spend every weekend air cycling in a special pedal-powered dirigible around the perimeter of the (laughs) USA, spy balloon height armed with a crossbow. So it is his fault. But it does leave Sino-Americanian relations at an awkward point. China has urged cool-headed handling of the dispute, suggesting that they have not been keeping too close an eye on American politics these (laughs) last six or seven years. Um, And a second spy balloon was seen over Latin America, According to geographically vague reports, but no spy balloons, Nish, have been seen over the United Kingdom. Now, surely this is a further dent to our national dreams of relevance in the post-Brexit world. But where's our spy balloon? Do yeah, we, do we not mean anything anymore?
1: Hey, come on, China. We'll tell you. We'll tell you stuff. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll write it on big towels and hold it up so that the balloons get a better view of it. Unfortunately, the only only thing you'd you'd glean if you spied on Britain is just piles of flaming garbage. (laughs) They seem to be setting fire to their rubbish for warmth. Uh, I'm not sure the United Kingdom is the threat it once was. Balloon out.
2: (laughs) I mean, all all the US had to do was get the balloon and get our clowns to turn it into a giant middle finger. (laughs) And... Send it back. Listen, I would urge all of
1: the people of America, in the instance, to assume at all points that a Chinese surveillance balloon is watching you and have a precautionary middle finger waving every time you leave the house. (laughs) In other
0: American news, the coldest ever wind chill in the continental USA has been recorded. In New Hampshire, minus 78 degrees Celsius. That is minus 108 Fahrenheit in old money. And when I say in old money, you, I mean, that's when temperature could be used as money <laughs> in uh, exchange for food, which is, of course, the origin of cooking, interestingly. Um, it's the coldest ever wind chill recorded in, in North America. But Hari, my question to you would be this. How much of that wind chill is physics, you know, the actual physical temperature, and how much is metaphorical wind chill, the icy blast of a potential second presidential term for Donald Trump (laughs) and the demolition of the social fabric of America, the already tatty, poorly repaired, stupidly designed in the first place social fabric of America that still bears the pus stains and caked-in vomit of Trump's first term in office and its rumbling aftermath. Um, Might this not just have been a regular chilly winter's day, maybe two degrees Celsius, but with the metaphorical wind chill knocking it down 80 degrees to a lethally Antarctic and dark, dark winter of the soul. I'm not a meteorologist, but I'm, I mean, am I on the right lines? You think?
2: Hmm. I think you have a misunderstanding of how metaphors work. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Their impact is is minimal uh, into no. real weather conditions. Oh, that's disappointing. It, honestly it, it's it has been terrible and, and one of the worst things is it's led to a scary increase of comedians saying when's the global warming getting here At, <laughs> at open mics all over the country
1: that is such a good observation hurry and it's something that's always missing from any dystopian film <laughs> <laughs> <That>. <laughs> like this, all there's never a bit when there should be where there's a, a hat comedian in a stand-up <laughs> club saying, "What's this global warming getting here?" and then <laughs> a wind chill blast through and freezes the for months to death. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I really do hope that that hell freezes over, though, because then several women from high school will owe me dates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, self-deprecation, you <laughs> you <you've, laughs> you win again.
1: <laughs> it says that there's been uh, that residents from Manitoba to Maine are being urged to limit their time outdoors. Uh, until the end of the once-in-a-generation cold snap. And I've got to say, I really am sick of the number of once-in-a-generations we are (laughs) racking up here. At, At a certain point... We've got to admit that this generation has had a lot of once in a generation, <laughs> and it's all adding up to this generation being the last generation.
0: <laughs> but but you're assuming that the generation being referred to is a human generation, <laughs> rather than the generation of, I don't know, a, a worm or a mayfly <laughs> or perhaps even a virus. Um, I, you
2: know. there, there is good news. There is yep. good news.
0: Oh, that's, what, what's that?
2: Well, I mean, parts of Canada reached as low as 58 Uh, degrees fahrenheit i believe you still use celsius which is strange um (laughs) but it is good if you're a quebec separatist because apparently it's cold enough that quebec might just snap off of canada (laughs) (laughs) you'll have your independent quebec
0: (laughs) extinct birds being pointlessly brought back to life news now and a biotech company is uh, planning to bring the dodo back to life, the absolutely useless, flightless bird that didn't taste very nice but was still hunted to extinction back in, I think, the 17th century, could be waddling back into existence for no f***ing reason. Now, the dodo is most famous for being extinct. If it ceases to be extinct, what is the point of it living? That—that That is the question I would ask to both of you I mean, and also is this the best use of humanity's boundless scientific ingenuity to bring back one of the world's most useless species
2: i'm I'm gonna start with the second question no it is it is definitely no i what are we doing it's like nobody has seen science fiction movies all the way to the end like what is you, you only see the premise I'm like oh that's a good idea let's bring extinct animals back what's the worst that could happen <laughs> let's open a theme park <laughs> R- robots that's sp- <laughs> robots that speak to us artificial intelligence advancements good thing they absolutely won't rebel against us <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 just absurd like we know how this is going to end
0: but when I mean, is this by, by focusing on the dodo rather than for example the t-rex, or the saber-toothed tiger, is this, trying to counteract that by bringing back a species that was so f***ing useless that it would have no chance, even when it inevitably goes wrong and wants to conquer the world, that it's too useless to do that. But Uh, actually, this is a safe species to bring back.
1: Based on the last, I'd say, sort of decade... Uh, what are the chances that we bring back the Dodo and it immediately brings with it some ancient bird flu <laughs> that's even worse than the current bird flu? <laughs> like, it, it, it doesn't... It, it it feels like we know how this is going to go. We're reading this bit of Jurassic Park when Jeff Goldblum is about to do a speech. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's starting to feel, because they're also... They're, they're not planning to stop with the Dodo. They're also planning to recreate the Tasmanian wolf and the woolly mammoth. Um there are like quite a few species around the world that are going extinct. Could we not stop them from going extinct, as opposed to just picking random animals? That yes. hair, a hairy elephant and uh, I'll say it, fucking ugly bird. I, I'll, I'll say it. I would not f- a dodo. I don't care. That, I don't care if that gets me quote unquote cancelled. <laughs>
2: I'm laughing too hard, it's giving something away. <laughs>
0: I mean, obviously it was a bit of a slow day at Science HQ and some bird-bothering <laughs> boffin decided what we need is one of evolution's least se- successful experiments back. Not not the good one, not the T-Rex, not the auroch, the sabre-toothed gerbil, the Pangean flying rhinoceros fish, the Airbus mega-heron or the pointy-beak snutterbuck, the fucking dodo. This is a disgrace, but it does tie in with a political story niche that was uh, in the papers. The comeback of Liz Truss. (laughs) who um, Duglers who remember the renowned year 2022 may remember Liz Truss was Prime Minister for uh, about seven weeks. Was it 49 days in the end? Um, And she has launched what is being described as a comeback. Uh, I mean, the comeback has come in the form of a 4,000-word article in the Daily Telegraph. Uh, which I think is fair to say was a fairly friendly uh, newspaper. Um, uh, in which is really a four thousand word journey into the remarkable persistence of human delusion. And but so if you had a choiceness of one thing to come back, the dodo or Liz Truss, what what do you think humanity needs more right now?
1: I don't know, but I'm I, I they they do not give awards for segways. And i was about to say my god yeah and until about three minutes ago i understood why they didn't give it now i've got no clue that is that it's an academy award linking resurrecting the dodo you, you, right when you get it right you really get it right Solzman. Right. I, 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 I give you a lot of grief on this podcast for largely deserved both people to Tedious wordplay and your <laughs> scant knowledge of the basic tenets of the religion of Judaism. <laughs> However, <laughs> this that segue is quite extraordinary, and I the answer is the dodo would be more useful. Yeah, uh, Liz Truss uh, has yeah has as you say, Andy st- started a. Uh, a a relaunch, like a wet firework. Um, And uh, she's written a a 4,000 word missive uh, in the Daily Telegraph, uh, which is a a newspaper whose political leanings are, I mean, are basically, I've read Margaret Thatcher's biography and huffed a load of crystal meth. Let's make some (laughs) policy happen. Uh, It's, uh, she has blamed... Uh, the uh, again for buglers who may not remember and I'm including British buglers in here because I believe it happened so quickly a lot of it just didn't register in the memories of a lot of the people in <laughs> the United Kingdom uh, Liz Truss uh, was uh, Prime Minister uh, for about a, a fart length uh, <laughs> uh, uh, last year um, before she attempted an economic plan that was so catastrophic It blasted a huge hole in the British public finances that are still being filled in to this day. Um, And uh, she uh, was forced out of office uh, in a a cloud of disgrace. Um, But the thing is, disgrace only fuels Conservatives. It's food to them. <laughs> uh, disgrace and racism are the two things that is keeping the British Conservative Party afloat at this point. Um, and she has now written uh, an article uh, for the Daily Telegraph where she has blamed the left wing economic establishment um, for taking her down. Um, she said uh, the soul searching has not been uh, easy. It ha- it's it been pretty f-ing easy, mate. Uh, you f*** up. That's not. That's the amount of soul searching you should have had to do. Um, she, i would mean, be surprised
0: uh, if the soul searching was successful in the sense that I mean, d- could she find a soul? Is there one there to be found?
1: Or <laughs> it's. I mean, listen. It's. Everyone's trying to work out what uh, she's thinking, um, which has been true since she launched her political career. Uh, certainly in the public imagination with a long speech about pork barrel markets at the Tory <laughs> party conference. Um, but the there are still a group of people within the Conservative Party, uh, Conservative MPs and non MPs, but members of the Conservative Party who still uh, have support for Liz Trust. Why is that? Because, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the Conservative Party is a disease that the United Kingdom needs to (laughs) cure itself of. Uh, It is the syphilis on this great nation's penis and ball bag. (laughs) (laughs) She's attempting to launch a comeback. Now, either this is to essentially rehabilitate her reputation uh, so that she can command some public speaking fees... Um, because uh, that's quite a lucrative source of income uh, for politicians who have been forced to leave office. Uh, Theresa May, uh, a.k.a. Deportation Spice, uh, raises quite a <laughs> lot of revenue um, from, giving her, uh, from giving her terrible speeches about how uh, she was one of the shittiest Prime Ministers of all time. Um,
0: At <laughs> well, she's been one of the best Prime Ministers of the last five years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Arguably the best. Yeah, she. It's, it, I mean, yeah, st- this is what I mean. Standards are low and yet Liz Truss still can't get a booking. Apparently the rumours are she can't get a booking on the after dinner speaking singer. So this is maybe some reputational rehabilitation. But I genuinely believe she thinks there is a route back to frontline politics for her because... As you say, Andy, the delusion at this point is weapons grade. The delusion (laughs) of her and our other former Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, is at this point visible from space. You do not need a Chinese surveillance balloon (laughs) to spot... The level of delusion that exists in the minds of Liz Truss and Boris Johnson and the worst thing about it is that they are probably both correct because <laughs> Richie Sunak is sat atop a very very fragile coalition of people whose only unifying principle is that they didn't want him to be Prime Minister <laughs> and so there is still potentially a route back to power for Liz Truss a woman who seems to have been breastfed by a car exhaust <laughs>
2: Jesus. <laughs> is, is, is it possible that she's trying to make a comeback because she needs the money?
1: It's, uh, yeah. It, the Sunday Telegraph leader, the sort of opinion of the newspaper, uh, this uh, this week, the same weekend that the newspaper published this huge article by her, said that the statist Tory establishment has had its turn and the party is cratering in the polls. The free marketeers must now speak up. Now, the free marketeers spoke up and they spoke through Liz Truss and by their own metric, a.k.a. the free market, they completely f***ed <laughs> it. Like, they assassinated the pound. Well, the free
0: market, I mean, I think history has proved this. Uh, is, a c- <laughs> uh, is i mean this is you know it's a heartless piece of shit and you know it might it might do some good things but it is unquestionably at heart a c- <laughs> and that is a a problem at the heart of our uh, heart of our economic system and um i'm not sure you can ever truly truly train it um <laughs> really i mean i to me the the, the way that we've We've treated the free markets over the years is it's like when a a man has got a new dog and he has fed that dog nothing but sausages and scotch eggs for its entire life, and then he has seen fit to take that dog with him on a nudist holiday. (laughs) It's obviously (laughs) going to come back to bite us at some point.
2: That is insane. What you just said is insane. (laughs) I'm trying to.
0: It's uh, it does feel like everyone is angry about everything at the moment in uh, in Britain. So I mean, I, 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 what, what do you think we need to cheer cheer ourselves up?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it, but story about Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> 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 is that what we need? Yeah, Just a Chinese spy balloon yeah. to distract yeah. us? It might be creating a common enemy. Um, coffin makers uh, and sewage attendants are on strike. So. We can't even eat shit and die.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. What have we become?
1: That is how bad (laughs) things have got in Britain at the moment. Um, And, you know, in terms of the workers' right to strike, it, it, it is incredibly important. The right to strike is an incredibly important democratic right. So the Conservative government has seen mass dissatisfaction and a series of worker demands that often are not even vaguely commensurate to inflation, and it has snapped into action and passed a bill that makes it increasingly difficult for workers to go on strike. (laughs) Um, There's a minimum service levels bill that passed through uh, another reading of the House of Commons this week uh, that would require certain public service workers, uh, a certain level of public service workers to remain in work regardless of strike conditions. It Listen, you don't. These people are cunts. like they are. Like I'm sorry to say it. I'm sorry to reduce it to this. I, I we're supposed to be like mending fences and like building bridges between the divide, but it's so hard. And people don't talk about this enough. We talk a lot about the polarization of politics, but what if they're just <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, this. I guess the irony of the the minimum service level from the government that has brought about a country that is, in which everything has stopped working. It is possible that, that the end of Britain, the, f- the final scene of Britain, will just be the nation physically folding up onto itself, wrapping a ribbon around itself with a little card on just saying, irony, and that will be it. That will be the end
2: of this nation. Hey, how come you two scabs aren't on strike right now?
1: Well, we'd have real jobs. It's very, <laughs> yeah. it's very, 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 very difficult to strike. Very, Nobody very knows very when you're actually
2: working or being a comedian because yeah. it looks the same. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> the Glaswegian uh, coffin manufacturers that are striking. I mean, it's, it's obviously rough if you need a coffin, but it's a break the Glasgow cremation industry has needed for decades.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, but, and indirectly, it's a real shot in the arm for Hinduism in the region.
2: <laughs> I like how you all have a calendar. I like how the strikes are, like, yeah. organized yes. by, like, yeah. oh, we're not striking this day and that. It just feels like <laughs> it could lead to a mistake. Like, it's a f***ing scab. Hit him with a brick. No, Colin, it's Thursday. <laughs> like, it just feels...
0: <laughs> um, it is, uh, yeah, I just feel like we all just... On the precipice of abject and total chaos. Uh, to highlight the 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 um, the teachers' um, pay demands. Uh, last week, uh, Enzo Fernandez, the young World Cup winning Argentina midfielder, joined Chelsea, the former football club, for a fee of 107 million pounds, and a reported wage of around about 300,000 pounds a week over an eight and a half year deal. Now, for the same money. Over those eight and a half years, Chelsea could have paid for seven hundred teachers, but the problem is, how do you fit seven hundred teachers into Chelsea's midfield? <laughs> because you don't really want seven hundred teachers sitting in front of the back four, because they might be good at breaking up opposition attacks just by getting in the way. But it's going to be half of Chelsea to build their own momentum going forward, um, and you can't really, you know, do you, do you, do you turn your seven 700- hundred. Teachers into like an attacking wing back. I'm not sure that's going to work. So you can understand why they
1: signed Fernandes instead. But I think Uh, I don't want to get too in the weeds of the specifics of Chelsea's squad composition, Andy. But uh, I don't think if you suddenly added 700 teachers, it would make things any less confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Given the current composition of the Chelsea squad, throwing in 700 qualified educators. I don't think makes it makes grandpa's job any less any less any right. more or less difficult than it <laughs> currently is.
0: Sports now and yes, it is that time of year where we look ahead to the Super Bowl which is happening next Sunday between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Eagles, of course, named because in the early days of the franchise, the players were toughened up by being forced to spend preseason training in the mountains, living off whatever food they could hunt and scavenge using only a microwave aircraft and a special beak. Whilst the Kansas City Chiefs were originally named the Necker Chiefs in the early days of their franchises, they always used to play with a bit of brightly coloured cloth around the neck, the first form of protective clothing allowed in pro football back in the days when the defensive team was allowed to use battering rams borrowed from the local police for trying to take out the uh, opposition quarterback, hence the Rams team. Uh, the uh, It's interesting the, the origin of these names, the Saints... To play for the Saints when they were first (laughs) formed, you had to have performed at least two (laughs) alleged miracles to qualify for the squad. And, of course, the Cardinals were their feeder team. Um the uh, the 49ers, uh, I can't remember, that was either in tribute to SF Barnes's record haul of 49 test wickets for England in <laughs> South Africa in the 1913-14 test series in which he refused to play the last test in the dispute over money, or because you could only play for the team if you'd proved yourself worthy by scoring a break of 49 at snooker. The Broncos, uh, they were a team for bronchitis <laughs> specialists at the now-defunct <laughs> St. Hethel's General Hospital <laughs> in Denver. But anyway, who will prevail out of these two... Superb teams. Uh the Eagles or the Chiefs. Uh Harry, I know you're a you're 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 a sports fan. Well, no first dude. of all,
2: you might have just ruined the Super Bowl with me with whatever <laughs> <your> blabberons <laughs> came out of your mouth a minute ago. Sorry. Just...
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I would have thought it was all the racism and what happened to Colin Kaepernick, but no, that's what pushed me over. Andy. <laughs> I'll i I'll, I'll say two things. Uh the halftime show is Rihanna. Yes! Uh, yes! That is, now
1: uh, we're getting into something I'm interested in.
2: That The comeback of Rihanna is really the, the biggest story but then if you're interested in this sport uh, you know, it, it, two great teams expect a matchup that's so intense that in a decade none of the players will remember they played football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well on that <laughs> little blast of darkness there. There you go. Well, I think it's time to bring this episode of the Bugle to a merciful halt. Uh, thank you for uh, for joining us. How have you got any uh, shows imminently that our listeners might like to know about?
2: Sure, how imminent? But there's a there's a few. Uh, March 16th in Eugene, Oregon, at the Holt Center. April 13th to 15th in Milwaukee at the Laughing Tap, and finally uh, the. Uh, Mi- may 3rd through 5th at the vermont comedy club in burlington you can find all these uh on the internet my website google whatnot uh nish what have you got uh what have you got
0: coming up
1: uh if you uh for buglers in the uk uh hold the front page a uh show that i do with josh widdekin as part of my long-standing commitment to only do travel shows with white comedians <laughs> with the letter j at the start <laughs> of their name uh <laughs> uh, uh, it's a show where we go and work at local newspapers and it's the last episode of it airs this week but it's all available on now tv or sky on demand uh, you can also listen to the current series of the news quiz via bbc
0: sounds that concludes this week's bugle we will be back uh, next week with Ria, Lena and nato green and uh, we will now play you out with uh, the latest contributors to the bugle wall of fame to join the Bugle voluntary subscription scheme and uh, to give a one-off or recurring contribution to help keep this show free, flourishing and independent go to the buglepodcast.com and click the donate button although different to the 18th century explorer of the same name James Cook was the first person to suggest that packs of cards had different numbers instead of just consisting of 52 threes, as was originally the case. Claire Fletcher further enhanced the possibility of card games by advocating splitting those 52 cards into four different teams, hoping this would lead to the kind of profitable tribal fandom we see in other sports, whilst Derek Willis was the first to suggest naming those teams after a bodily organ, a garden utensil, a piece of golfing equipment and a precious stone. After Derek's idea was picked up by the International Playing Card Association, Della Graham had to step in and stop the IPCA naming the suits Lung, Rake, Dimply Ball and Beryl. Once the card suits had been agreed to be hearts, spades, clubs and diamonds, Phil DT convinced the IPCA to go with simplified representations rather than, for example, a graphically realistic picture of an actual heart. Kate Kattigback was the visionary who suggested replacing the top three ranked cards, then entitled President, Vice President and Chief of Staff, with the monarchy-based King, Queen and Prince. I'm not advocating hereditary privilege, says Kate, but it did add stability. Emily Howells helped see off a lawsuit from a collection of 30 princes from around the world who were demanding a 1 13th share of all proceeds from sales of playing cards by replacing the Prince card as the third picture card with the Jack Russell Doggy card. Brian Widerman then helped hack out a compromise whereby both Princes and Jack Russells accepted a picture of a Prince called Jack who owns a little doggy, hence the cards we're all familiar with today. And uh, Megan Killar, or Megan uh, Sillar, or or, or both even, redesigned the playing card into its now familiar rectangular with smoothed corners shape from its less user-friendly original serrated-edged dodecagon.
1: Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here.